listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Man, I'm so glad you're here this morning. My name is Pastor Jason. If you're new with us and, and don't, don't know me, you might think Ricardo is actually the pastor because he looks all like pastor today. Like he's got like <laughs> khakis and a mission polo on. And um, Anyway, so man, um, I'm so glad you're with us this morning. It's a big morning for us and, and, uh, and so, so glad you're here um, that you, thankful that you are a part of our family this morning, and we're not just a church, we're a family, we say it all the time here, so if this is your first time with us, welcome to the family, right? So, um, we've been in a sermon series for the last couple of weeks called, But God, and I'm going to be real honest with you guys, the first time I presented this to our teaching team, it was not met with a whole lot of enthusiasm, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, instead of enthusiasm, it was met with a lot of butt jokes, like, like B-U-T-T, butt, right? And um, you would think a doctor and a professor would be over above that kind of thing, but they're not, right? And, um, and so I got everything from, honestly, I got everything from, you know, of course, God likes big butts, and he cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny, right? Like, I got that, of course. Like, that's a given. But when I, when I revealed the artwork for the series online that I created, um, Dr. Mark sent me a text and said I corrected the artwork for you. Um, and so if you can see that there, um, he, said, he said there was a the spelling error, and so he corrected that for me. Um, you see what I got to deal with? You see what I got to deal with? Like, am I the only adult on the teaching team? No, I'm not, because I thought it was hilarious too. (laughs) (laughs) I present this beautiful concept that I discover from the scriptures, and all I get is harassment, but that's friendship, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, believe it or not, Believe it or not, this, uh, this but God concept is, uh, that we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks is, has actually nothing to do with middle school boy jokes at all. Like, it, it, it doesn't. Um, it's, uh, it actually has to do with Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 5. And uh, I'm going to read that for you right now. This is the crux of this concept that we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks. And, and uh, so it goes like this, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the presence, uh, in the passions rather, of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were na- by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And, and here, here it comes, the two transform, transformative words. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Isn't that good? 
That's good. I cannot, it doesn't matter how many times I read that scripture, I can't get over it, nor should I ever. Because if you're a believer in Christ, this passage should make you want to throw on some ice skates and stick the landing on a triple axle, right? Like, that's how good the scripture is. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of uh, Winter Olympics lately. But the main idea is that even though we didn't deserve God's grace, uh, because of our sin, we didn't deserve it, but he chose to give it to us anyways. Uh, because of his great love for us, and it is by grace that we have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus, and not by our own works. We could never do enough good to earn this grace on our own. The Father did this, not only because he made us in his image and loves his creation, not only because he wants to be in a relationship with us, but most of all, and, and, and underscored, is that we would spend the rest of our lives here on earth and in eternity giving the glory due his name. Right? Many of us have these but God stories in our lives. And, uh, you know, I, I have one. I, I have a but God story. Um, uh, we heard Alex and Monica's but, but God story last week. If you missed that, what a powerful time. Go back on the podcast and check that out. It was so, so good. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that many of you, if we were to go around this room, many of you have your own but God story somewhere in your journey. And, um, but today I want to switch gears a little bit from what we've been talking about and spend some time talking about our church. And uh, I don't know if you can sense it, but we are in a moment right now as a church. We're in a moment, and, and it's a defining moment unlike any in our history. Um, the Mission Redlands is in its very own but God story. Um, actually, our church's but God story mem- mirrors closely the account that unfolds in the book of Joshua chapter 6 for the people of Israel. Uh, just to give you some, some quick background on this story, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, forced to live and work under ruthless and cruel circumstances. The Bible says that the Lord heard the cries of oppression from his people. So he called a man who was in exile for murder, right, named Moses. And this man was to follow the Lord's commands and lead the Israelite people out of slavery and and into the land of their own. And the land that the Lord said was flowing with milk and honey. Now that's some goodness, right? Like that's good, good land, right? And and it, it was the promised land, promised from the Father, right? And and so um, the story of how God rescued the Israelites out of their oppression and gave them their freedom, it, it actually has its own book of the Bible. It's, it's appropriately named Exodus. And, and so much happens to the Israelites through the course of their journey. Uh, famous things like the parting of the Red Sea, um, the God providing manna every day for, for them to eat as a source of food when, while they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years um, and belly aching the whole way, I might add. Um, <laughs> God has an extraordinary amount of patience with 
the Israelite people. One of my favorite things that happens is when Moses goes up on the mountain and meets with God himself. And, and when he comes down from the mountain, um, from being with the Father, the Israelite people are actually afraid of Moses because the glory of the Lord shone on Moses' face. And I feel like that's just all I want in life is for the glory of the Lord to shine on my face. Like, that is just crazy, right? And um, by the time we get to the book of Joshua, Moses is dead. He gone. And um, in case you were wondering, he never actually made it into the promised land. He, uh, he got to see it with his own eyes before the Lord called him home. But, but, uh, but before he died, Moses sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan, which was uh, the name of, of part of the land that God was, uh, had promised the Israelites. And, and after Moses' death, call, God called one of those spies named Joshua to lead the Israelite people into the battle that awaited them for this land. And, uh, but all the while, God has made a solemn promise to give them this land. Israel crosses over the Jordan into the promised land under Joshua's instructions and the Lord, as they crossed the Jordan River, the Lord dried up the water underneath their feet, right? M- crazy. So cool. And, and um, as they walked, they crossed in safety because the Lord dried up the water underneath their feet. And I, I love what the Bible says, um, how the word spread about that in Joshua 5.1. It says, As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there were, was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. I, I, I love that. God, word spreads about what God does, and, and, and their hearts melted. It was, I, I just I love that. Um, so the time comes to begin to take possession, to begin the process of taking the possession of the land. And, and they come to the city of Jericho, and they see these walls that are at some point, Places in the walls, 30 feet high and 12 feet thick. I, I, have a, I have a picture here. This is actually a rendering of what the walls looked like. And sorry if it's a little pixelated. My boys made this on Minecraft. So um, just kidding. They didn't. Um, <laughs> but I bet as some of those people stared at the wall for the first time, they couldn't help but feel defeated, right? They just... Like, it was so big and so wide and strong enough that they knew that there was no way that they could bring it down in their own strength, right? And, and this is where we pick up the story of Joshua in chapter 6, um, chapter 6, verse 1. So let's read. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests 
shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, uh, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him in. Now, let's stop right there for just a moment. Um, now, if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking like, say what? Right? Like, are you crazy, God? Like, this is your battle plan? Like, this is, this is your plan, right? And, and you want us to walk around the city walls, not once, but for seven days, while all the while our priests are blowing ram's horns. Have you, have you guys ever heard the sound of a, ram, a ram's horn makes? Have you ever heard the sound of it? Uh, I have. It's actually called a shofar, right? That's what it's called. And, and let me tell you, it's not a very intimidating sound. It's not, it's not a very intimidating sound. It, it, if I were to describe the sound a shofar makes, it's somewhere between like a whale's call and the horn on a smart car. Like, it's like... <laughs> It's somewhere in the middle of those things, right? It's not a very intimidating sound at all. And, and, and the thing I can relate most to about the scripture uh, is, is now that God has given Joshua the game plan, he now has to go back and communicate this ludicrous sounding plan to, to the people of Israel, right? And, and, and can you imagine me and Joshua at this moment? Okay, guys. Joshua, your, your leader here, gather around because um, the Lord has given me the plan of attack. And let me tell you, it's a doozy. <laughs> Everyone grab your shofars and let's get ready for some show fun, right? 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 But in reality, and to Joshua's credit, in reality... God gives him this crazy sounding plan, and Joshua doesn't even flinch. He doesn't even flinch. Not one ounce of hesitation. He goes right to the people to relay God's plan. In in verse 6, it says, So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the, of the Lord. Joshua is completely and utterly obedient to the Lord. And honestly, to me, that is awe-inspiring. It really is. Actually, I have to tell you that God is using this little passage of Scripture to set the tone for the next season of our church. He's using this scripture to, to set the tone. Uh, I, I, something about me is I, I always uh, do my best to take Mondays off. Um, that's just a rhythm that I've set. It's like my Sabbath, and, and I need it desperately because though I absolutely love being with people, it completely wears me out. And, and though I love it in every way, 
every way, Sundays are big people days for me, right? And so on Mondays, I stay home and I rest and I recoup most of the time and yeah, most of the time. And um, anyway, so back in January, I was at home on a Monday and I was, I was doing laundry because I wish pastors were immune to laundry, but we're not. Um, <laughs> So I was doing laundry and, and listening to the very worship song that we just sang. Um, and I heard those words walking around the, these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. And I just right there, right then on my day off, heard the Lord say, Jason, listen up. Listen up. And so I stopped what I was doing and, and I really listened to the rest of the song and I was so deeply moved. And then I heard the Lord say to me, now go read the story of the fall of Jericho. Go read it. And again, I did what the Lord said. And, and so I'm reading these same set of scriptures that we just glossed over, right? And I get to verse 7. And I swear it was like the Lord gave me 3D vision for a moment because two words literally jumped off the page at me. And and I'll read those verses again, 6 and 7. They read like this. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. Those words, go forward, go forward, they became so clear to me. It wasn't just a word for me, it wasn't just a word for my family, but it was a word for this family. Our church See, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. Um, When we planted this church, things didn't go according to plan, like at all, right? Uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole big hairy story. If you really want to know, let's meet over coffee, and I'd be glad to share it with you. Um, But it all stems back to a sin issue that was within our leadership at the time. And that sin issue caused our first pastor to resign six months into the start of the church, which was very sudden and completely devastating to everyone involved. And through the course of the next couple of months, a little bit of panic ensued because we were such a young church. I mean, barely six months old. And So some well-meaning but not very wise, in retrospect, decisions were made that affect our church even to this day five years later. Through, Through these decisions, the church accrued some debt that feels very heavy to our little church. And up until this point, with some extraordinary help from our denomination's district office, uh, we've made it. We've made it. But in the last year, it has become clear that we needed to take some significant steps to decrease this debt as a church or wipe it out altogether. And I've been the leader of the Mission Redlands for over two years now, including my interim period. And uh, I have spent many a sleepless night feeling the weight and shame of all of this. 
We've had meeting after meeting about how to address this issue with no clear resolution. Uh, This debt feels like an insurmountable wall that we have lived at the base of for far too long. And we've been stuck in the shadow of this wall, staring at how high and how wide it is, not knowing how to get to the other side, to the place where the Lord has promised us. It comes, it, it, it's come to the point where this wall that we face is affecting the very de- decisions that we make for the future of our church, and that is something as a leader I am not comfortable with. The decisions we make for the future of this family should be based on God's vision for our church, not the vision that we can afford with whatever resources we have left. So when I was spending time with the Lord on that Monday back in January, reading Joshua 6, the Lord said to me, it's time for the mission to go forward. It's time for the wall to come down. And I immediately began to argue with God about it. But God, do you know how small our church is? But God, our people are already such good givers, and you want us to ask more of them? It's impossible. But God, how am I supposed to communicate this crazy plan of yours? And the Lord just quietly listened to my complaints and said, read the story again. And I feel like there was a dummy implied. Like, read the story again, dummy. So I did. I read it again and again and the wholehearted obedience of Joshua and the people of Israel in this particular moment, this one, because they actually mess it up later. But in this particular moment, their wholehearted obedience struck me. Joshua unflinchingly tells the people of Israel this crazy plan, and they do it. You know why? Do you know why? Because they had already seen God provide food from the sky for them and part the Jordan River underneath their feet. They had seen the miraculous work of God move mountains and they believed that he could do it again. If they would just be obedient to what he said. Be obedient to what he asked him. He will always do what he has promised. Always. And he has already told them, I have given Jericho and its kings and mighty men of valor into your hands. The key is our obedience. No matter how crazy what he is asking us to do sounds, obedience is the key. So just like God said, some armed guards led the people around the walls of Jericho, followed by the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant and some ram's horns, don't forget. And, and the rear guard followed behind the Ark, along with all the people of Israel. And as they walked, no one made a sound. 
except for the repeated blasts of the seven shofars. They walked around the walls like this once a day for six days. And in verse 15 it says, On the seventh day they rose early. At the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And skipping to verse 20, it says, So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. I love that. A great shout. And the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up and into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. In this moment, Joshua and the people of Israel were faithful and obedient to the Lord. And you know what? God brought the walls down. We have been, we just have to walk in step with him. Did you notice that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't up front while they walked. This is a small detail, really easy to miss, but the ark, which is the visible symbol of the Lord's presence, was actually more towards the center. They didn't use the ark as like a battering ram to bulldoze down the wall or like a giant laser beam or something to slaughter everybody. No, they, they like... They did as the Lord said. Armed guards were in front of the ark while the priests carried it. And behind the ark were more guards. And the people of Israel along with them. And Why is that? Why is that? Though it may not feel like it at the time, I think it's because the most secure place you can be is walking with God in the center of His will. Though you may feel exposed and vulnerable when you begin to be obedient and faithful to God's will, the truth is that's when you will see mountains move before your very eyes. Because God's will in God's time, in God's way, is always nothing less than perfect. And there's also something to taking a step of faith. Going forward in a step of faith. This is what we're striving to do as a church in this season, is to go forward. uh, Walking in step with God in the center of His will. And we believe that we will see the walls that are keeping us from where God intended us to be, come down. Today, I, along with uh, all our church leadership, are pleased to announce to you the launch of the Go Forward campaign. And over the next couple of months, we'll be asking you to partner with us. Uh, We aren't asking you to simply partner with 
paying off debt. It's so much grander than that. We're asking you to partner with the future ministry of Jesus Christ in Redlands through the Mission Redlands. Honestly, this, this is not an easy thing for me to ask you guys. When I told the Lord repeatedly how much I did not want to do this, um, he lovingly continued to affirm it and re- redirect me to this plan. And so I won't make any apologies for it. Because I believe deeply that this is the Lord's will. We've seen God do miraculous things in our church, and we believe we will see him do it again. And so how are we going to approach this campaign? That's, that's simple. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I've seen these campaigns go all kinds of different ways, and we are simply going to pray. So over, start, beginning tomorrow, over the next 40 days, someone within our church body will be f- fasting and praying. And we're also going to have a 24-hour prayer vigil in April. And we're going to open ourselves up before the Lord and watch as he moves mountains that we never could. Because if you notice, Joshua isn't the hero of the story of the fall of Jericho. And the Israelite people definitely are not the hero of the story. All they were was obedient. God is the true hero of this story and every story. And just like the people of Israel, we know that the walls we face are not ones that we can bring down in our own strength. It's got to be God. It's got to be God. God will be the hero of this story. We just have to be obedient and watch him work. This is our church family's very own but God story, and it's happening before our very eyes. All praise and honor and majesty and glory to you, God. For you are the maker of the mountains and the tamer of the oceans, and yet you see me. You see us. And you hear our cries of oppression. And your heart is moved with love for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So I'd like to bring uh, Brian and Jody Bell up to give you guys a couple of more details about this. And then we're going to close our service in, in worship and prayer. So come on up. Morning, Mission Church. How are you guys? Um, just a few things I'd say. One, just sort of thinking about this in light of this passage and in terms of our involvement on it. When uh, Jason first uh, talked about this, I think I was in the, the crazy idea camp. And uh, it's a little bit like where the children of Israel were. You know, Just picture that day, their leader comes back and says, Hey guys, tomorrow we're getting up and we're going to be walking. And you know what, you look at it and think, oh, this is the craziest idea in the world. But you know what, it's not that hard to do to take that first step and actually walk. And that's a little bit of the, why, the reason why I'm here. I can take this first step and I can walk and we can watch what God does. And that's really my expectation for this whole campaign is this is an opportunity to see what God does. And there's just a few things that I would uh, just give you as background to help you in thinking about this. 
In a few moments, our, our ushers will be giving out a campaign uh, brochure that looks like this. We'll describe a little bit about what's happening. The one thing I think is phenomenal is you have an opportunity to learn more information about it, right? This is not just something that we're going to launch on you today, and I don't, you don't understand everything that's happening with it. So we have, uh, uh, during a, a phase from March 12th through 24th, we have an opportunity for you to come to one of the sessions that uh, Pastor Jason will lead, and, and Jody and I will be part of most of those as well. But on the 13th of uh, March, we'll be at Carlos and Teresa's house for their grow group. On the 14th, we'll be at the day group. Uh, and we'll also be at the Kelleher's uh, group as well. On Thursday, the 15th, those of you that are part of the Bells group, uh, Jason will come and share with us. And then we have two special times. On Sunday, the 18th, after church, so about 15, 20 minutes after the church service, we'll have a meeting here in the congregation, uh, in the sanctuary, to get, allow you to have more information about uh, the campaign as well. And then on the Tuesday, the 20th, uh, we'll do something similar here at the church uh, at 7 p.m. So there's just multiple opportunities for you to come, get your questions answered, understand uh, what's happening with it. Second thing, and Jason referenced this as well, um, as I said, this is an opportunity for God to show up to do what God does, and, uh, and really one of the ways that we do that, we help make that happen, is through prayer. So our church is committed to 40 days of prayer. Uh, we'll have a prayer vigil coming up on the 21st of April as well. And in that, I think there's two things. One, God, do your work. And then second part of it is do your work in me. How do you want me to be involved with this? Asking uh, that kind of question. Uh, I'll finish with this uh, piece. Um, as I thought about this and I thought about our involvement in it, we've been at this church for about three years now. And when we came, and I didn't necessarily know much of this when we came, but when we came, uh, the church was actually so small and struggling, we were actually still drawing down uh, from the denomination through the denomination support. We couldn't actually pay our own bills. And over the last year and a half, I've seen God do an amazing thing in this church where we are actually self-sufficient. Uh, we're able to pay our own bills. Uh, and now I think it's the time to take this next step. And this next step means getting rid of this debt that we've had that would free up $3,000 a month. That's a lot in order for us to continue to be, and even in a greater way, be the hands and feet of Christ in this community, to show God's radical love to the people of Redland. So to me, that's the exciting part about it. The debt's the debt. The debt's like a you know, weight that drags you down. What it frees us up and allows us to be able to do in this community to make a difference for the cause of Christ, that's what gets me fired up about this. So uh, if the ushers now want to hand that out, and I'll turn this back over to Jason. Thank you, guys. Um, so if you're sitting there thinking, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm bailing for the next two months. Um, um, like, um, if you're, this is not something that is, is going to be overly a part of our regular services. Next week, we're starting a sermon series that's going to lead into Easter. Um, and... Uh, you know, we will be talking about it from time to time, but this isn't going to be an all-encompassing, you know, stewardship series till May kind of a thing. Like, it, it, it's not going to be that. We, we're going to continue on in worship and prayer, and, um, and we're going to open ourselves up before the Lord and see what God does. Um, so I, I really hope that, um, that you will um, pray over this and, and uh, pray for our leadership in the, in the brochure, you'll see a letter from me that explains it even more in depth and also free, uh, many 
um, questions that you may have are already answered in there. So, and there's also a schedule of events um, that are going to be taking place. It says when the prayer vigil is and, um, and all that. So just spend some time with that brochure. There's a lot of information there. Um, but I just want to say again, I want to reemphasize the fact that this is a work that God has to do. This is, this, is, this is a work, this has to be a miraculous work of God. And we know that. And so we're believing it. And um, so thank you guys for listening today and being open. And um, let's, uh, let's call the ushers forward for our, for our tithes and offering and I'll, I'll, I'll pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord God, we, we are in awe of you. You are so awe-worthy. In all your majesty. Father, thank you for loving us so deeply, even when we were your enemy. Thank you that you are rich in mercy and that you abound in love. Father, we bring before you the offering that is already yours. We, we couldn't give you anything. We, I say it every week because it's so true, Lord. We can't give you anything. Everything we have is already yours. So we bring it before you now. Bless it. Send it out to the neighborhoods and the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.